You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Jedediah Berry. He's the author of The Manual of Detection. We're here at SFNSF. Thank you for joining me, Jedediah. Very happy to be here. Jedediah, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your work at Small Beer Press. Tell us how you got involved with them. Well, I was actually at the University of Massachusetts in grad school there uh, when I found out that Small Beer Press had moved from Brooklyn to nearby Northampton. Uh, so uh, I had been a fan of the, the, the books that they had been publishing for years, um, and New Kelly, Link's short story collection, Stranger Things Happen. So I immediately emailed them and asked if I could volunteer my time. So it became an internship, and then eventually, uh, when they, maybe when they saw I wasn't going away, they, uh, they hired me on. Well, uh, this is, working in the small press is, is an interesting avocation because it, it's not, I mean, presumably you could, you're back east, you could go to New York. What made you choose to work with small beer? Well, they were doing, um, they were publishing the kind of work that I simply wanted to see more of. They, they, um, somewhat difficult to classify, uh, but, but work which was coming out of, various genre traditions, but which everything that I read was just um, flipping things on, it, on, on, on their heads and just um, doing something different and exciting every time. And so uh, that to me, when I, when I had imagined many years ago actually starting a press of my own with a friend of mine from high school, that was the kind of work we wanted to publish. And um, Kelly and Gavin were already there doing that, and so, uh, so it was the perfect place to be. Now, talk about working in the small press and creating your own fiction. Uh, There must be some kind of interplay between those two. There is. I mean, to some extent, I consider it... uh, the extension of, of, of the same conversation. Uh, you know, being at Small Beer has actually introduced a, a whole world to me, simply just the, the, the community of, of writers and readers, um, you know, at, who, who are at the conferences and conventions. It's such a, it's such a warm and, and generous community, and, and I feel like I, I, that I've just gained so much from, from that. Um, although, on, on the other hand, I, 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 try, to, I try to keep my, my editor brain a little separate from my writer brain because I, you know, I... Um, when I'm when I'm working as an editor, it's, you, you have to you have to be careful that you're 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 working um, to make sure that the the work represents what that writer writer's vision is, and 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 so I try to kind of leave my own my own writing and my own um, processes you know at the door. Now, your first novel is a is a really unusual novel that kind of uh, whipsaws in some ways between genres while just being. It's, just uh, something in and of itself. Talk about creating that kind of vision, especially in the prose, and, and then bring that back to your work as an editor. How do you edit yourself? Hmm. Well, that really found its place in the main character of Charles Unwin, who is a kind of um, obsessive, conscientious, but but um, uh, almost over-careful <laughs> Uh, character. He's a file clerk, and, and he, he manages these case files. And that was really... Um, my that was that that was something i understood you know that was that was how i go about my work and and uh, with that kind of attention to detail and it was it was that where i saw a possible bridge between what i do and how i think and detective fiction you know where 
attention to detail is obviously very important. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was the, the meeting of, of those two worlds. You know, it strikes me in some ways that uh, being an editor is something like being a, a detective in terms of, uh, of having to pay attention to details and keeping track of, of clues that the writer leaves. Could you talk about, did, did your interest, uh, did your work as an editor influence the way you wrote mystery fiction? I think it did, because, and especially because I, well, I, I approached it as a reader and as actually a relatively new reader of detective fiction, I was really figuring the, figuring the, the game of it out as I went. And I wanted to kind of share that in an, in an open way within the book, um, which is to say that, that you know, I, I know that the, the reader understands that when it's a mystery, there's a, there's a kind of a game going on between the, the, the author and, and the reader. And I figured, well, let's just have fun with this. You know, like, let's look at this as a text and as a tradition together. and. Um, and hopefully, you know, make that interesting. Uh, it, that there's a whole theme of recursion in in this novel, and I, I'm wondering in your work, uh, how interested are, are you in recursion a, a, as some as a subject? That's that's funny. Um, I I've I guess I've almost become more interested in it. I've, I've been working on this story, which. Um, is inspired by by reading Hamlet several times over and then watching every film version of Hamlet I could get my hands on and it's it's actually about hundreds of versions of all of the characters from that play kind of cooped up in one castle together and and stuck in this in this endless theater um, and I, I I hadn't I hadn't thought of it in the book but I guess you're right this is this is maybe a, a theme of mine and I'm not sure why except that it provides the possibility for um, maybe multiple perspectives on on the same thing, and you can just kind of mine it deeper and deeper. Uh, one of the things that makes your work so interesting is that it takes itself quite seriously. We we feel that the universe takes itself quite seriously. It's very consistent, but it's also very funny. Could you talk about that finding? And you seem to find humor in the consistency. Hmm. I'm I am glad. <laughs> yeah. I um. Boy, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. It's it's so hard to talk about humor. You know, I I, I hope that it's there, and I hope people people get it. Um, I can only say that, you know, I, I I I'm a big fan of Buster Keaton. You know, and and I I've tried my best in in the Manual of Detection to kind of capture some of that odd, almost naive kind of tumbling through the world, um, and in in this in this character. And um, and I you know and I, I hope I hope people find it funny. Now this novel, though it's not exactly science fiction, has the feel of, of science fiction a lot. Could you talk about how one genre, the science fiction genre, influences uh, like your work, though it's not even actually exactly there? Sure. Well, I mean, most most of what I've written has had some element of the weird or the fantastic uh, to it. And I, I just tend to veer in that direction, I, I because I, I guess I, I, I find, I find that in that the potential to, to talk about things the way fairy tales talk about things. It's a, you know you're you're playing with archetypes and and you're playing with 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 um, sort of you know mythological um, resonances. And so um, I, when I when I when I got to writing something that had the detective fiction element to it, it seemed actually pretty natural to me to make that weird and to look at those archetypes you know the, the femme fatale and the detective and uh, you know and the arc nemesis and um, you know play with them in, in in the same way that they might appear in a, in a fairy tale 
Well, I like this idea of, of fairy tales and viewing mystery fiction through that lens. Um, you're working on a new novel now, uh, and you told me a little bit about it. So tell, talk a little bit about, the, does that kind of uh, archetypal work inform all your work? It does. It does often. Um, not always. I mean, s- sometimes the, the things I pay attention to um, kind of pop, pop out of left field. But, uh, you know, in, in this new book, which I'm really just getting into, and it's, it's, it's almost hard to talk about at this point, I, I am interested in, in questions of hierarchy and, and power dynamics in that way. And that's, that's certainly in, in the manual of detection where you have this, this vast bureaucratic agency and um, employees of different levels having different different rights uh, and that's and that's something I think I'll continue to explore it, it's 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 a way to um, get into things which I think are are hopefully well which are political in nature but which are still kind of fun storytelling devices you know I was just reading um, Thomas More's Utopia mm-hmm. and it strikes me that there's a big connection a really strong connection between fantasy and politics that's not really apparent at first I think so, and I think it, it, it's it's fantasy's capability for coming at things indirectly that le- that that makes it such a powerful tool for for looking at, at at things which are of great importance in terms of you know how humans live together and how and how we work. Um, somehow the you know that the, the indirect way can. Um, well, it's, it's 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 like you're you're taking you're taking the, the the symbols of things and making them real, and uh, and giving them a sort of actual life. And once you once you set that stuff on stage and have them walking around, uh, you can really be pretty sneaky. I think about with with, with how how you're addressing those issues. And I think one more thing about your work is that um, it we it helps us realize that, and I guess in a sense that um, satire is kind of the middle ground between uh, fantasy and politics. Hmm. I like that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And I, um, I think s- satire is hard, and I and I don't know that I've, I've written satire, uh, per se. But 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 you know, kind of trying trying to um, take hold of some of these maybe over familiar feeling ideas and plot lines and um, and, and and giving them some 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 new life, but but. But making fun of them and having fun with them at the same time can, um, you know, can, can lend itself to that, that kind of satire, yeah. And, and I think one other thing you do well is to put a real character with heart at the, at the center of this to make it more uh, grokkable, I guess, for us. <laughs> right. And, well, and I, in, in a strange way, I, f- I feel that this is a book about a character who is, who is barely a character at all, but who is forced into becoming a, a true human being by the end of by the end of the novel um, he's he's kind of um, you know uh, he's he doesn't he doesn't have he doesn't have friends he barely has an existence and and in the course of the novel I think he has one memory that <laughs> of, of playing a game when he's a child um, and so he's kind of a blank slate but I wanted to complicate his life in such a way that he becomes more like the rest of us that you know when, when that we are faced with these challenges and, and that's that's <laughs> forcing us to all become human all the time, every day. I've been speaking with Jedediah Barry. I can attest he's an actual human. I'm hoping he has memories. Thank you for joining me, Jedediah. Thanks again.
You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.